Hello, and welcome once again to another episode of Curdo Conversations. Today, we have a very special episode in that it is not the typical conversation that you're going to be used to involving members of the Curto community. I am joined by my friend and colleague, who is a doctoral candidate in the English department and an instructor here at Marquette University, Ms. Ibtisam Abujin. How are you doing, Ibtisam? Great, thank you. Ibtisam recently had guests come to her class and speak to her students about civic engagement, and we wanted to share that to the greater Kurdo community. Um, Ibtisam, could you tell us a little bit about this before we get into the episode? Well, the event was titled Civic Engagement and Cultural Activism. It was a discussion with uh, Muslim filmmakers, filmmakers from different backgrounds, from South Asian backgrounds, from Black Samoan backgrounds, and they discussed their process of cultural resistance, of engaging with oppressive systems, and how they would reform and promote greater dialogue on these issues, call attention to the issues that plagued society and put forth this agenda for change through cultural means. We were excited to have them. Sounds great, and I can't wait to share this. Who were these speakers that you had come in? I wanted to begin by thanking uh, the respected award-winning influential filmmakers, Queen Muhammad Ali Khawlamek and Hakim Khalik for their generosity and agreeing to share their insights with us. I also wanted to thank Islamic Scholarship Fund for their generosity, and especially uh, its director, Omar Al-Sayed, without whom the event could not have possibly happened. I also want to thank Ben Lindsay in the Center for Urban Research, Teaching and Outreach, Connor Kelly in the Marquette Core Curriculum, and the Core 1929 team, Dr. Jordana Kaftan, Father Stephen Avello, Caitlin Braun, Tim Knapp and Trevor Gillian, and our supportive departments, the Department of English, the Department of History, and the Department of Languages. Finally and importantly, I want to thank the brilliant members of our class community who motivated us to be better, to do better, and to create more opportunities for them to engage purposefully with the smaller market community and the larger Milwaukee community. Uh, let me say a bit about our panelists. Queen Muhammad Ali, along with Hakim Khalik, recently directed and produced the award-winning and soon-to-be-released feature documentary, Coming Up Short, which is the true story of Shorty Jerome Muhammad, a legendary member of the Lynch Mob, one of the most controversial platinum and gold rap recording groups of all time, and led by, uh, produced and led by Ice Cube. Prior to Coming Up Short, they directed and produced a short documentary, bar, Hashtag Bars for Justice, which won Best Short Documentary at the Pan-African Film Festival, and was screened twice at the documentary Fortnight, MoMA's International Festival of Nonfiction Film and Media in New York. Hashtag Bars for Justice has been used as a teaching tool in universities to address the modern civil rights movement taking place across America. The film has also been screened internationally in Beijing, China, Glasgow, Scotland, Bogota, Colombia, Tirana, Albania, and Apaya, Samoa. Their work can be described as visual anthropology, mixed with hip-hop activism and the preservation of indigenous culture. Born of Simone royalty, Queen's great-grandfather's Paramount Chief King Tuliato of American Samoa, whose letters are on display at the John F. Kennedy Presidential Library and Museum. Queen is an Art Place America awardee, an ISF Film Grant recipient, 2021 Yerba Buena Center for the Arts 100 list, Recently, Queen was honored by representing American Samoa at the Indigenous Peoples March in Washington, D.C. 
Based in American Samoa, Queen uses ethnographic documentation to deploy initiatives that preserve the indigenous arts on the island. Halleck was born and raised in South Central Los Angeles. His father was a stuntman in Hollywood with work featured in the controversial film, The Spook Who Sat by the Door. Halleck is also the great nephew to prominent photographer Addison Skurlock, excuse me. Ebony Magazine featured Hakim for his award-winning visual ethnographic project, Invisible Mexico, which is the culmination of 13 years of research filming Afro-Mexicano and indigenous cultures in Central America. Along with Queen, he's also the recipient of the Mushianyu Artist Fellowship in Beijing, China, Artist Research and Development Grant recipient, Tia Papata Artist Residency, and his work has been featured on MTV VH1, Showtime, NBC, Lionsgate Films, PBS, and Univision Television Network. Khaula Malik, our third panelist, is a Pakistani-American filmmaker whose work centers on intersectional identity. Her short documentary, How the Air Feels, premiered at AFI Docs, won the National Board of Review Student Grants Award and the Special Jury Award at the Sharjah Film Platform. Recently, Khaula received the South Asian Arts Resiliency Fund grant for her latest short documentary, There Was Nobody Here We Knew, about a middle-aged Pakistani immigrant couple, her parents, contemplating alien life after they spot a UFO outside their window during lockdown. The film was acquired by PBS and is now streaming online. She was also selected for the Tribeca Channel through her Lens program and the sine qua non lab. She has served on the review committee for the Peabody Awards and the IFP Documentary Lab. She's currently a Doc NYC Storytelling Incubator Fellow with her feature documentary, The Noble Half. Her work has also been featured on PBS, Netflix, The New York Times, Inside and Sound. She's a member of Brown Girls Doc Mafia and a graduate of the MFA program at the Firestein Graduate School of Cinema. So thank you all for attending this event titled Civic Engagement Cultural Activism. And I want to, to begin by asking you to react to your own cultural productions. What do you feel when you see that? Well, the film definitely uh, was to highlight the many injustices that has been going on and even still to this day, and also to give hip hop a voice. And as you can see, it also um, brought about a lot of unity in a lot of different um, cultures when it comes to injustice, because I believe we all deal with injustice. And so this is something that really highlighted that in this film. And that's something that we wanted to you know, put out there. Paula or Hakim, what did you feel seeing that? So is the question, what did we feel just watching the work? What did you feel seeing what you produced? I, I think there was a sense of I don't want to say nostalgia for the beginning of lockdown, but like kind of nostalgia for the beginning of lockdown, because I feel like we were all, everyone was experiencing something together, like around the world, even though it was a tense and kind of scary time, but there was something beautiful about it. And I think, yeah, I think part of me was grateful that I got to have that time with my parents. So it was nice to just like, and, and like for them to, I don't know, I feel like this feeling of like, they got to exist as something other than my parents in front mm. of the camera. And so that was kind of nice. Mm. Yeah, Hakeem, how about you? I'm glad I didn't get shot. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at it back, I, you know, 
it was pretty uh pretty intense and dangerous uh, being out there in Ferguson. Um, but uh, sometimes when you're in the moment and you're really passionate about something, you uh you have to put that aside and um, just make sure that um, as filmmakers, I think we have a responsibility to make sure that, like Lewis was saying, to document and to you know share something that. You know, it may even be a, a bit nostalgic at, at watching it again, but it's mm. definitely um, very interesting to, to watch it. And I believe in UFOs, too. So I, I mm. love your parents. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what you're, what you're speaking about relates directly to what we've been discussing throughout the semester. So I wanted to jump to question within that list and ask about power, ask about how you were empowered or disempowered in the process of making this film. Um, in the class, we're deeply concerned with identities and backgrounds and experiences and how they're informed or informed by power. So um, did you see this meaning making that you constructed be it through visual anthropology or through documentation? Did you see that as a form of empowerment for you um, were you limited in that? Or, and how did you see that work impacting your communities and the community at large? I can, I can chime in on that one. Mm -hmm. um, Queen and I deal with a lot of issues as far as being anthropologists, visual anthropologists, negative stereotypes. And both Queen and I are both uh, hip hop heads. And so is, you know, other people on the, on the panel here as well. And so we, we just wanted to just kind of show that hip hop or rap music um, was very instrumental in the um, in the actual, I say, in, in just make, having a voice. And it wasn't um, used as just pop music and making money, but it was a very socially conscious uh, piece. So we wanted to, we didn't think that we were going to do this because we were just invited to go to the concert and film the concert. Tyler Kwali had invited us. But when we got the footage back, we were like, it's very important that we spotlight on Jusiri and show how this is very, very um, serious of how important it was for him to be a rapper and not just go to Ferguson and just get on stage, but to actually join into the, the movement and to really show as a hip-hop artist and I think that that was very important for 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 us and I think it's important for hip-hop to not just make money or to uh, put in a sense of uh, just being a, a commercial entity but being a, a, a voice for for people you know hip-hop is all around the world and I think music youth it's very important to use that as a so that definitely empowered us, you know, to to be able to to do that and to take this film, you know, around the world um, with people that didn't even speak the language. We always had to get a you know, translator to to make sure that they understood. But that commonality was so important, and I think that uh, that was the empowerment that we felt. Right. <laughs> Me too. Okay, so I, I felt like the, your film spoke to one another because of the centrality of popular culture. And at the university here, and especially where I'm coming from, the English department, we, are, we focus on popular culture as an, a catalyst for social change. And so, Hola, did you see, or Queen, why did you, Hakeem talked about the centrality of popular culture, but 
why science fiction? Why did you think about you know UFOs and why was that central in your in your process? And Queen, I'm sorry, I cut you off. I think. No, you're fine. Go ahead. I feel like I, I the intention wasn't necessarily pop culture initially. It it all began with like my family WhatsApp group and my parents sending my siblings and I photos of like the sky outside their window and like my dad just circling like a dot and saying like that's the UFO and that was like how it began and I think what I got drawn to when I went down you know when lockdown happened and I'm in Virginia and I'm with them you know there's like not much to do and I didn't have a camera so I just shot the whole film on my phone and I was interested in first I was intrigued by the fact that my family, my parents were like into UFOs and aliens. And my mom, I guess, had been mm -hmm. seeing this UFO for a year and had never told us before. And it was actually my uncle was visiting from England and he spotted it for the first time. And so, you know, there's all this kind of dialogue around the UFO that I wasn't witness to and I didn't know was like a thing that was happening. And so when I was with them, and experiencing this too and seeing the UFO with my own eyes, I just found it really funny that when we think about, I guess, people who are into aliens or people who are into like, you know, extraterrestrials, like the image that comes to my mind is like, you know, a pothead in Arizona, you know, like <laughs> a, a white guy in Arizona, just like with nothing better to do. And it's not two middle-aged Pakistani immigrants living in the suburbs of, you know, outside DC. So that, like that kind of central, I think that was just so funny to me. And so I was like, I guess I'll just like document this and maybe it becomes something and maybe it doesn't. And yeah, that's sort of how it, that's kind of how it started. Yeah, and then it evolved into something different. And that I, I have to add, I, I think that was mm -hmm. so, that is so funny and so brilliant and to show that because a lot of times the stereotypes, like she said, is so important that we, we have to dispel those stereotypes. Sometimes you got negative, negative stereotypes, sometimes you got positive stereotypes, but we definitely got to get rid of the negative stereotypes. And I think that that's really important what she did um, because I, me personally, I think I could hang with her parents like all day because I'm like all into like UFOs and all that stuff. So I need to get the information because I, you know, I got some footage too, you know what I'm saying? We need, think we might need to do a part two, you know? <laughs> yeah, we got, dude, I wanted to do a part two this summer where they do a road trip to Roswell. <laughs> I think there's an opportunity, you know, because it's the 75th anniversary of the UFO crash this summer. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. That is so cool. That is cool. And I mean, I wonder because you're talking about stereotypes and the family dynamics in this film and and the communal this dynamics in your film, Hakeem and Queen. How did you feel your films represented your community these communities? And how did you feel like you were bringing something into existence? No. I'm kind of channeling you, Hola, talking about UFOs. Did this bring something else into existence? Something maybe gendered or, you know, economic or political? What do you think, Queen? Do you have anything to say about that? Absolutely. I feel that anytime something 
that big is highlighted, especially how the same type of event happened a year later was something that was like, wow, this is something that needs to be highlighted because all of the other events that happened just like that, they're not highlighted. And so no one knows about it. And I believe that this film really helped people see something that we see all the time, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I definitely think that it was highlighted in the way that we, we wanted it to be. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder if you felt like, because at the end of your film, there's Talib Kweli saying we need more than words, we need action. So I wonder if you see your films producing this kind of change, or is it not enough? So thinking about this critically, is it not enough for us, you know, for poets or musicians or filmmakers to produce this? Or is it this actually part and parcel of the larger political movements? that can bring about change? No, it's a good question. I, I think that it's very important that artists take the lead, putting a mirror to culture. Me growing up in Los Angeles, I grew up in South Central Los Angeles, to see the same dynamic uh, that I witnessed in Los Angeles happen in Ferguson was almost like unreal. You know, we actually, uh, we went to Mike Brown's makeshift memorial that was out there. And when we were out there, some, I don't know who they were, but it was like some pretty hefty, strong looking guys, white guys, and they were taking pictures next to it. Like they were so happy that they killed this kid. When that happened, the BBC had came over to me and my uh, another uh, person who helped us with the film and wanted to buy the footage because if you notice that the way we shot the film, um, normally when you wa watch films of this nature, you're always watching from the back of the protesters and the front of the police. But I'm behind the police and looking at the protesters because I jumped over the barricade. I was supposed to get arrested. So the BBC, CNN, they were all looking at me like, what are you doing? And so when I when we got over there, they, they just wanted to just buy the footage because they wanted to just throw it out there real fast. And the Queen decided, you know, it was Queen who decided that we would take it and uh, make a film. But answering your question, I think that is so important to take uh, to take the lead and to not just do. I mean, we could have just, you know, sold some licensing footage, but we decided to make sure that you know we put your Siri and different rappers in a, in a different light. Because, of course, hip-hop always gets that bad rap, you know, pun uh, no pun intended, but I think that it's important to uh, spotlight a different, a different side of that. So that was one of the, one of the main issues that, you know, that I thought that was, I think I'm, I think I'm staying with the question, you know. <laughs> Khul, how about you? Did you feel like your work would make a change? I mean, did you think that featuring your family discussing, you know, alienness, what an alien was, would make political change, economic change, would resist anti-migrancy, this race-based um, racialization of migrants? Yeah, I think that's a good question, because I think on, on some level, when, I, when we make work, we just hope people watch it. You know, I think that was, I was like, I don't even know if anyone's going to watch this. But then when people started watching it, and 
you know, I did some Q and A's and like met people, I felt like there was something happening in the audience because predominantly the people in the audience watching the film were not, you know, immigrants. They were like old white people at festivals. Um, <laughs> and I, and I think there, I think there was, I, I feel like my, with most of my work, there is like this deep desire for people to see us as human, which is something that's so basic, but like, it's actually really hard to feel like people see us, right? They see those stereotypes, they see what they expect us to be. And I think I was hoping, and I think predominantly the sort of like science fiction lens was to make it so that like, my parents are not being defined by like their immigrantness, but defined by their sort of personalities in a way. And I think that I feel like that did happen. I don't know if it's happening on a large scale, but I think part of our, I guess, duty as artists is to create work that we can, that can be a part of a canon that's like helping reshape how our communities are viewed. And like, to me, it's important to challenge that and to like do work that is sort of trying to challenge some kind of stereotype while recognizing at the same time that, you know, people walk into a room with a certain point of view and they're gonna work really, really hard for to have their point of view reinforced. Mm -hmm. And so even if you can get them to question something about how they, what they believe, I feel like that is, you know, progress in some way. I want to, to shift a bit and ask you if you felt like your work, you've talked about the human Khola, if you felt like your work represented a certain identity. So did you feel like this was Muslim filmmaking? Was it, you know, women in filmmaking? Was it black filmmaking? Was it, uh, did you feel, do you feel comfortable being labeled in a certain way? And how is that productive or uh, constructive or destructive? I think, okay, so I feel like I'm like, I just hate labels. They're so frustrating because it's, you know, you think about it's like who requires a label, right? Who gets, who has the freedom of not needing a label and who has to have a label. And so in some respect, I think I want the work to speak for itself, but I also recognize that it's important for our communities to be in community with, with one another. So I do, I see it as a film as an immigrant film, I see it as a COVID film, I see it as a Muslim film, I see it as a Pakistani film, I see it as, you know, a science fiction film, but yeah, I think I'm definitely, you know, you got to put the labels for these grant applications and stuff. You hope that right. once we have more representation in those sort of decision-making places, we won't have to do that kind of labeling anymore, but, you know, that's maybe not that's not maybe going to have happen in our generation, right? So it's like the work that we do to help the future filmmakers mm -hmm. kind of have it easier in some ways. Um, I just feel that as far as labeling, you, of course, you don't have control or the power to make someone believe or take the film as how you want it to portray it. And so, you know, whatever they take from it is what they get from it. But we hope, <laughs> like, you know, uh, Kula said that we hope that they get the message that we put out. And that's our, that's all our responsibility is, is just to uh, 
you know, put the message out that we want to portray in it. So as far as labels, we have no control of that, but we just do our part. (laughs) I would like to share that. um, This is like kind of with this with the subject, but it's very important to share this. So years ago, Queen and I were working on a film in American Samoa, which is her homeland. And on Facebook, I was talking about the film and a Samoan guy was like, how dare you make a film about American Samoa? Because, you know, you're a black guy. And why, how can you, you know, you can't do this. And, you know, I didn't even get upset at him because I realized that he's a victim of every, the same thing that everyone else faces. And I told him, I said, if I was white from the Discovery Channel or whatever, he wouldn't, he wouldn't even second it. And it's because that's so important for us to just look at what Kaula, I, mean, I think I'm saying your name correct, right? Kaula, Kaula. It's like Kaula with a K. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Um, she said it's so uh, perfect and queen is that, you know, we can't really make a person think of what to think of, but it's important that we are very proud of who we are as well. You know, I'm from South Central Los Angeles. And when people think of South Central Los Angeles, they think of gangbang and all this stuff, whatever. And that's true. But I never hide that. And I try to put those experiences in all of our films. Um, and it's very important that we do that. So I, I second everything the two lovely ladies just said. So That was impactful and very well said. And I, I wonder, I wonder if you experience resistance even from within communities with which you identify. So you talk to Kim about this resistance to forms of filmmaking by Black Samoan filmmakers. But how did you feel like those communities with which you have a, you know, an affinity with or, or you identify with or you feel a part of or belonging um, within, how did they react to the films? Can I just, I'll just chime in on this again. Not this film as much, but on um, another film that we are, um, we just finished as a feature film about Shorty from the Lynch Mob. It was very interesting because everyone wanted us to do this hood film. And that's like, I guess, the premise. When you're doing hip hop, you got to add all this. But but just like I was saying earlier in a conversation with, the midwife. <laughs> I was telling her that we have to really own more of the pieces of the puzzle, the distribution, the outlets, not just the production and the cinematography and the direction and the writing, but we should also have other pieces where we always, just like she said earlier, you got to write that grant this way to make the film come out. But that may not be exactly how you really want to do the film. But in order to have it come out, you have to do it that way. So I think that um, like with that film I was talking about, we actually took a different direction. We took a direction of very independent, very art house type film with a completely hip hop subject. And we treated him as we're doing an anthropological, ethnographic um, uh, case study in Papua New Guinea, but in South Central. And um, I think it, it just made people 
look at it totally different. But he's he's very he's a very you know great storyteller. I mean, if you ever heard of Ice Cube, anything Ice Cube wrote from like from NWA moving forward um, at a certain level, it was shorty stories that was that was that he was writing about. And so we just wanted to make sure that 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 community did not tell us, hey, you can't do it like that. It needs to have these hip hop beats and all this stuff and all that. And we was like, nah, we're gonna we're gonna score the film totally different. We're gonna do it and treat it very very differently. And you know, we had a lot of opposition and, and people were like, well, you didn't do any interviews? We're like, yeah, we did, but we got rid of them because they were they're garbage, you know, it's boring. So sometimes you just have to just believe in yourself as a, I don't, I don't know if there's any film students here in, Mil, in uh, Milwaukee, but if there are, you know, take the Hopefully. challenge. Like, yeah, I mean, what what she did to, to document her, her family believing in UFOs is so cool to me because it just, it just makes you think, like, that's something no one has done before. Don't do the same thing over and over just to get in. And that that that's what I got from that. And and you do, and it's okay to get the opposition from your community. You know, you just have to believe in yourself. Hola or Queen, did you feel? Uh, do you want to add to that or discuss the resistance to your work from within your community, which is a difficult subject to talk about? Well, I just would like to piggyback from Hakeem. Um, as he said, you just have to believe in yourself. You make a big mistake when you try to go with the norm because you end up just looking like everyone else and you don't stand out and ultimately your message is not put across. So I definitely feel that, you know, regardless of any opposition you may get, you have to go with your gut feeling, with what you feel, you know, you need to uh, put out as a message. So opposition or not you have to go with what you what you feel is the best thing to do for you i agree i think that's a really great point i feel like ultimately you have to you know like you you have to be your own kind of artistic creative compass everyone is going to have a different opinion on like how they feel about what you're making and what they want it to look like one thing i've realized too is like you know we're so influenced by what we see so even our own community have, you know, we've all inherited some kind of white colonial gaze in some way, right? And how we see the world and how we see our own people and how we see other people's work. And so it's like trying to fight that at every step and also just, yeah, sticking to your guns. Maybe it's not going to be, you know, and recognizing, I think we forget that like, especially in the arts there's so much of this desire to like oh i want my film needs to be at like this festival and i gotta get there and like we don't stop to think about like is that the right place for my movie you know right where 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 should my film be who should watch my film how can i get it to those people and like all those other people they'll come around when they recognize like we're making dope ass shit you know like (laughs) So it's, it's like, we j- I don't know. I feel like we have to trust ourselves and just trust that like what we're doing is, is speaking to us and how we want to kind of, I guess, portray something. And within our community, everyone, that version for everyone is going to be completely different. So I think also working on like 
you know, when you said like how how the community perceives our work, it's like I also have to work on how I look at the work from my community because I am such a critical judge of like what I see. And I just have to remind myself like the fact that it even exists is like incredible. And like, mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be my cup of tea, but like it exists and that's important. And I kind of, I'm grappling with the same, very same questions. And I wonder if we could talk about economics of it and the economics of producing this film, of, of existing, of being born into existence or having your film born into existence. What does that involve? And did you need community support? Because communality, such a very complex topic, but that you both need support and are going to face opposition. When you're dealing with shorts, you can, you can definitely get away uh, doing something more independently and not have to bring in so many other funding sources. When you get more long form, it's definitely going to be more challenging unless you are, you know, got a trust fund or something like that. <laughs> as far as our film, Bars for Justice, as I stated earlier, is that we, uh, we didn't really intend it to be a film. We just was just helping Tyler Quali to shoot a concert. It went crazy that night. Another young man got shot. We got shot. We decided to go out. We got tear gassed. We uh, couldn't find a hotel room. Um, we literally was only in Ferguson for 24 hours. We never, we never even got nothing but a rent a car. We slept in the car. We slept in someone's hotel room early in the morning, took a shower, went back out, filmed uh, Cornell West and some of the other activists. And um, so, you know, for us, I remember having that conversation with um, uh, Queen and I'm like, you know, what do we, you know, I actually kind of laughed. I'm like, I don't see a film in this. It's just footage. And so in that is where you, where the, the decision of uh, budget wise comes in because now, you know, you have to think of re-recording. You have to think of sound design. You got to think of licensing music. You know, we got all these rappers on stage. We can't use their music because we can't afford the licenses. So what do we do with, with all those pieces, you know? So though um, our film was very, very uh, <laughs> economic. Um, one of the producers of the film, his mom had like a whole bunch of flight credits. So we flew to Ferguson from the West Coast for, ele I think, 11 bucks. Um, <laughs> don't tell Talib Kweli, but uh, we got there for uh, with 11 bucks, got a rental car, never ate. We never ate. We never get, went to a restaurant. We never got anything to eat. We ate at the airport the next day and we ate some pizza and we actually didn't even have to pay for the pizza because it was a brother after all that civil unrest who was at the airport. And I was about to go get the pizza and the brother was like, he was like, hey, don't even worry. About it. He just looked around and just gave us some pizza. <laughs> so, <laughs> the most money that we spent on that film was in sound re-recording and um, couple licenses for, for music. Uh, we didn't even do any color grading. We kept it raw on that one. And so and we, Queen and I edited all of our films, so we didn't have to take that as a hit, but you know, just have to look, you know, look into those things. But it was very, very affordable, I'll say that. If I wasn't amazed and inspired by you before 
<laughs> I'm, I'm so extremely inspired by what you're doing now. I, I can't even imagine that you didn't see this as a film because it's so impactful. And I can't even imagine <laughs> the work you put into this. Collab with you. What? How did economics function in relation to your film? I guess I didn't because I it was COVID and I couldn't afford to like rent a camera or anything. I just shot on my phone. <laughs> so the production was like free. I didn't do any, like, <laughs> any money. And then I got this grant from you know the South Asian Artist Resiliency Fund, which is was through the India Center. And I was like, it was funny because I got an email saying I didn't get it, and then I got a phone call the next day being like, oh, we're so sorry, you weren't supposed to get that email. You did get the grant. <laughs> and I was like, okay, cool. And that was, you know, it was, it wasn't a lot of money, but it helped me for a post. So I was able to like do my sound mix, color, and, you know, I edited it partly. And then I also had a friend, actually my friend who I was living in LA at the time, she was like, oh, I love this project. And so she kind of came on board and she helped me find an editor and like, you know, help me get, get the film done and the edit. And so, yeah, it was like a lot of just sort of kind of, I guess, miracles happened. But like, yeah, the production of the film was zero dollars. So that's and I think that was a point of I like felt sort of nervous about that because I'm like, dude, no one's going to watch this film shot on an iPhone. And it was like, it's not like the new iPhones. It was like an iPhone 8. So it was just, you know, I think I was self-conscious about that. But I guess, you know, story is what matters. But yeah, thankfully financially I was able to get it done and like Hakeem was saying shorts are so much e like are easier but also harder in some ways too because mm, yeah, no. you know, there's yeah there's so much yeah it's hard to get that money when if you don't have a trust fund so you gotta yeah you gotta <laughs> take, get that $11 plane ticket you eat that free pizza at the airport you know you use your dad's phone to like do some, you know like so you find a way grant writing you know especially being independent that's like something that's very key you know when you're independent so i think that that's amazing what you did kula you know to make your film happen and i think this is inspiring to students because you know me being one of them seeing these films we think that that we're distanced from this that this is unattainable that we can't do anything that we need to do high stakes work and that low stakes cultural resistance isn't um, going to make any impact. So I wonder if you have any final advice to our students on how they can think about um, cultural impact activism and resistance, think about their own identities in relation to their work, um, engage their communities in anything that they do and the, you know, the purpose that they have in the world. I think it's so important is what we said earlier is to be yourself. Don't be afraid to do something that has not been done before and be confident about it. It's okay. If no one may understand it right now, maybe it just, it might seem weird. It might be crazy, but it's okay to just do something different. I can't stand people doing the same thing over and over and over. It's boring and everyone thinks that they have a great idea for a documentary, but they're not looking at other documentaries that, you know, you have to be, you have to know and to be very studious in what you're a, a part of. If you're going to be a musician, you should really, really 
study the craft of being a musician, if you're going to be in the film or if you're going to use media as activism, then you should know how it's being used, how other people have used different things. There's a really good book. Ah, I can't think of it right now. Um, I know it's, it's on the bookshelf, but it's a film, a book that, you know, talked about how, you know, different people use different forms of media for activism and how, you know, just all types of, you know, crazy and funny things, you know, sometimes humor gets, uh, will get you further, you know, so with, with Jasiri, it was funny to us because we were like, dude, why are you trying, don't, 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 don't do it. Like, we're filming him like, dude, do not get arrested. Like, take your ASS and go sit down somewhere. And he's like, nah, I'm going to do it. And so we were like laughing at him because he really did get arrested. And we just like, we're going to go. We're going to leave you. And, you know, so humor and, and just be, just know that no matter what you do, you have to be yourself. You have, it's, it's the hardest part to me of being a person in this space is really finding who you are and being comfortable with that and sharing that with the rest of the world and not being afraid, you know? That's super important. Yes, and I would just like to, you know, repeat after Hakeem, being yourself at just as much as believing in yourself. And there's so many images that are being thrown at us today that make you feel inadequate, uh, you know, of being yourself. And then as, as far as when we talked about uh, budget, and it may seem impossible <laughs> with nothing, but look at the great films that came about with having nothing. And that goes back to believing in yourself and your craft and what you feel you know, you're meant to put out to the world. So um, no matter how insane the idea may seem to you, stick to your gut and do what you feel you have to do. That's the book. Oh, and yes, that that book and, and also Think and Grow Rich. I know that's a very popular, uh, well-known book, but that's an important book to always read. I feel like Hakeem and Queen had some great advice. I, you know, I feel like I, you know, when you're thinking about creating work, yeah, just do the work and don't be too precious about it. I think it's really easy to get caught up in wanting to have it perfect. And I think if you just, I feel like every, every, everything we create is a learning process, right? We learn from everything we create. So and nothing ends up as what we initially intended. It always kind of takes a different form. So yeah, be kind to yourself and just keep, you know, trying things out and seeing where things go. And then I think also realize that like whatever work that you create is an archive of yourself and your community and think of it, think of that as the work too. I, that's kind of how I like to approach it that like so many of us, our communities were colonized. We don't have archive of our community, but we have that sort of ancestral or historical memory that we can conjure and like bring into our work. Even if we know that we, even if we realize that, even if we don't realize that we're doing it. And so just thinking about your work as in, in and of itself, an act of resistance and kind of, 
yeah, archiving your your community. And so even small things matter. So you aim for the stars, but also do the small things that give you joy. I want to thank you all for this. It was so insightful and inspirational. Uh, thank you to Hakim Khalik, Queen Muhammad Ali, Kola Malik, and uh, I hope you have a great rest of your day.